<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The Incomparable. Number 614. May 2022. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, uh, Jason S., and we're here to talk about Severance on Apple TV+. Plus. Let me introduce my panel. Um, let, shall we begin with question one? I, I'm curious if you mind taking a brief survey. It's five questions. I know you're sleepy, but it'll make you feel right as rain. So first up, uh, who are you? It says here, Erica E. Yes, I, I, I think I'm Erica E. And I am here and prepared... For my music dance experience. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> Good. Um, Lex F, in which U.S. state or territory were you born? Uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, I think you're going to fail this test. Uh, <laughs> Glenn F, no relation. Uh, please name any U.S. state or territory. Uh, well, I'm familiar with many of them, but, but I don't know. I got to take this opportunity to say that I have never killed anyone with a piano. I wish people would stop t- spreading that story about me. Hmm. And uh, Delaware. And uh, how do I introduce Dr. Drang? Dr. D. Dr. D. <laughs> what is Mr. Egan's favorite breakfast? Waffles? Waffles? Is it waffles? It's probably that way. And then my question <laughs> for myself is, to the best of my memory, what is or was the color of my mother's eyes? And the answer, oh. of course, is rainbow. Uh, severance is a very strange show on apple tv plus we're going to talk about it uh at first with enough i don't know vagueness to see if we can convince you to watch it but we're here i think to convince you to watch it probably because i think it's i think it's fantastic and strange and uh surprisingly uh good in in so many different ways um, so I, I, I think I'm going to open it up to my, uh, my fellow employees here, um, <laughs> to talk about what, you know, your overall sort of spoiler free feelings about this show. And also maybe if you could kind of explain how you try to explain it to people, because I've struggled with how to explain this show. I, I told somebody it was like office space mixed with lost, mixed with twin peaks. I that mean, was I, me. I, that was me. <laughs> I, I, I have so many different um, things that are sort of like what this show is, but not what the show is. So I'm curious how you try to explain this to other people and how you feel about it. 
I've ripped you off because you're the one that told me. Uh, I think you also mentioned Counterpart. Counterpart, um, yeah. And somebody else had mentioned a couple of shows, some of which I didn't dig so much. So it wasn't until you gave me those. Basically, it was the Twin Peaks, Office Space, and Counterpart. Mm. And I was like, okay. And somehow, I missed all the ads for this show. So I went in completely cold knowing only those things. And that Stop was enough to sell me on it. I, I think the ads don't totally help, though, which is interesting. I thought I w- I totally expected something different, which is clever of them. But it wasn't. the ads weren't untrue to the show. Uh, I was thinking uh, a little tiny piece of eternal... Uh, sunlight of the spotless mind that's and, always uh, the title those close. and uh what is it? eternal sunshine of the spotless mind what did i say you got there you eternal know, spotlight must... of the sunless mind <laughs> <laughs> i might have liked that better uh but also this is you know there's an aspect of sartre's no exit here right you have people trapped in a hell uh but not of their own making right they're this they're they're put in an environment where um they have a, a consciousness that is separate and uh, I don't think that's a spoiler at all, based on what they put out yeah, about no, the show. Yeah, it's so. So I don't think uh, there's a lot of stuff associated with what it's like to work there. Uh, many, much of it spoilery that I did not anticipate. Even watching the first few episodes, they really start to dig into philosophical, existential questions in a very clever and enjoyable. And, and sometimes difficult way, but smart, always smart. Maybe it was Adam Scott being in it, but I, I had a, I, I miss also misunderstood what this was going to be. And I thought it would be more kind of a satirical kind mm. of like black comedy about, yeah. about people who are working stiffs in a workplace, like a party down kind of set in an Apple store kind of thing. <laughs> and it's not no. like it is, it is a mystery <laughs> It is dark and sometimes funny, but really, that's not it. That's not it. I can provide no reason for why, but the show was what I was expecting. I mean, I I didn't know where it was going to go, but it definitely (laughs) had the tone and vibe I was expecting. But when I'm encouraging people to watch it, which I do probably too much, I describe it as a... a dystopian office dramedy that feels like it was written by Charlie Kaufman and directed by Spike Jones because it very much has that feeling to me. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting that so many of these things that your people have mentioned are things I love and then other things are things that I hate violently. Mm. So it's very it's a weird show. That's one of the reasons why I don't although I I think it has comparisons to Lost obviously. Um I don't say that to people because I'm <laughs> afraid that, pe- you know, yeah, oh, well, then it's going to, it's going to disappoint me at the end. And, and who knows? It could disappoint us all. Uh, but, but it's going, it's going well now. I do think counterpart is a, is a very good comparison. And without going spoilery, I, I do, you know, all the press first, I do think that, that Apple TV plus in general, and this show in particular have do great at working the press. <laughs> and a lot of the stories, about this show talked about Ben Stiller pulling the the writer back and saying let's not reveal as much let's not go as oh. far let's not oh. tell as many things and i i'm sure we'll get there and without any spoilers people uh in my world loved the season finale and thought it was great whereas i was like not as elated by it i still love the show i love this entire season but i i thought that Ben Stiller erred a little bit too hard on the side of uh not giving us a few answers like you, it, exactly to Dr. D's point you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to get that lost level I, I'm about to finish a rewatch of Lost that's much better in a binge but you just don't yeah. wanna, you don't want to give people a fear that they could be disappointed because it is not about to me I actually don't care what they're doing I don't care what all the answers are <laughs> but I have to not feel like the 
the journey is leaving me at risk of being disappointed. Well, you know, what's weird is I just finished reading, this will sound totally unrelated, it is not, I promise, The Da Vinci Code uh, for a special <laughs> members-only episode oh. of Sophomore well, Lit. the connection right there. With John mm-hmm. McCoy. And after reading The Da Vinci Code and thinking about this show, this is, not that this not that they're that much in common in certain ways, but The Da Vinci Code tries to present this uh, set of mysteries, mysteries in the sense of like uh, religious rites, right? That kind of mystery. And this is, it, and it fails, it, everything is, you know, childish puzzles in the book essentially feels like people walking around with i don't know like uh, finger traps and um wait a minute but the it fails at its central mystery argument and this show is religious mysteries it is exactly that you're inculcated in a cult you're not allowed to know too much um there's all of these things that people have memorized and they're sort of uh you know it has these aspects are separated from their family they can only see each other it's it's a cult that is invisible to those who aren't members, it doesn't, be, in, a, in a way that I don't think any other cult has ever achieved. What else What else would people say in terms of trying to convince, uh, let's assume that some of the people listening now are are, <laughs> are not sure whether they want to watch this, whether they want to pause the podcast maybe and go watch the show and then come back. What, what Jason will give you $5 if you watch right now. <laughs> hmm, interesting. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. Try to co- collect on that one, I guess. But I would say if it's a some people really love a slow burn and some people don't. And I feel like this show can work for either either side of that coin. But you have to be willing to get through a little bit of slow burn before it picks up its pace. I had Mm -hmm. had Jason not convinced me so thoroughly that this was something that I wanted to to spend some time on. If I had just stumbled across this and watched the first episode, I would not have gone any farther. I I will say that. I will co-sign that. So slow. And I hated the music, especially in the first episode. (laughs) I don't know if I I don't know if it was like Stockholm Syndrome and I got used to it or it changed by the end, but I despised it. It's funny. I I was almost going to say I I do love a slow burn. I don't know what it is. It doesn't feel like my personality, but a slow burn TV show is like where I live. The the way that I would attempt to convince folks who aren't sure from this description yet and haven't watched it yet is that there's even if you are like Erica and Jason and that like maybe the first episode isn't for you, there's still something to lock on to. Like it might be the crazy set design or the crazy technology at play. Or Or maybe you like the tinkle tinkle music of the piano. Well, and the central mystery, like the, the, the show starts with a woman laying on a table waking up and not not being able to know like say her name or where she's from and and yet know that Delaware is a state which is kind of part of the premise here is that these people who are working at Lumen is the name of the company it turns out um have lost their biographical memory right they they still have the ability to like they can walk and talk and they know things like what are the states but they don't know anything about themselves their personal memory is gone and we learn very rapidly sort of why that is but that is something that's a, a enough of a central mi- mystery to to keep it going but i will um second what erica said i enjoyed the slow burn but what 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 i was agreeing with her about is her husband who like erica yep. bit of a doctor mm-hmm. who fan made a comment that I had not considered that I thought cuts to the bone about the, especially the first two or three episodes of Severance, which is he said, the plot is unspooling at a pace that is slower than a 1960s episode of Doctor Who. He's not wrong. He's not (laughs) wrong. It actually made me rethink a lot of things about modern prestige TV, where you tell a story over nine weeks or whatever. It's like, that's actually not that different from Mm -mm. old Doctor Who, where after 20 minutes, you're like, well, 
next time and <laughs> and and severance does the pace picks up i think or at least it gains momentum through the weight of what we learn but it, mm-hmm. it he's not wrong like it is real comfortable at being slow and i was okay with it i i actually kind of loved that but um don't let it don't let it um it is a slow burn, not a, not just slow TV. It is a slow burn. It does burn. It burns. It, it picks up it, speed. It, and by the end, your like head hell. may explode by the last episode, right? Like it does yep. It does end up, it starts very slow and it ends up kind of like a, a runaway train. So you just got to gotta go with it. What else? Anything I, else I, to convince the people? The only other thing that I want to put out there to convince people is that you will definitely recognize, even if you're not a person who like knows every actor, you'll recognize plenty of actors in this. And I was just looking at the cast list again and thinking, well, who has the best performance? Who does the best oh, job? Yeah. And I don't even know what the answer is because they're all <laughs> so yeah. Darn, good. I wanted to hear what you thought because <laughs> I don't I, know. I would, go with Brit, I would go with Brit, who I know the least. Uh, but but Brit Lower is doing an amazing, this is like not really her debut but this is her first major role this is this is technically i think like the first time she's been in something where she's gotten this level of attention and she is so uh i th- i'm not wrong about that right she's been in a bunch of films but i think this is the first thing where i've she's, never seen her in anything yeah i just i on she walks on screen i mean she's there in the very first scene, first scene and yeah. i'm like i know her from something because she's so powerful on screen she demands so much attention her character is so complicated all i want to do is watch her and in a way that it feels like you usually have to have someone who's established in a field or is, you know, whatever. But also Zach Cherry is in it. I mean, Adam Scott's great. I'm not trying to down, you know, when John Turturro, you know, John Turturro and Christopher Walken, like you just yeah. go on and on, right? Patricia, oh, the cast is great. But then Zach Cherry, every time Zach Cherry shows up on screen, I just want to just watch him only. He's been in a few, he's had minor parts before now and some things and bigger, bigger and others, some stuff that I haven't seen. But he's like at a small part in the series, The Magicians, I know we've covered on The Incomparable. And and he's in like two episodes and I'm just like, oh, who is this guy? He's fantastic. Then he shows up and in Spider-Man, you're like, oh, then he's in Shang-Chi. And you're like, oh, here we go. Now I get the full Zach Cherry. I was very excited about that. Yeah, I'll throw in a a, a shout out to uh, Tramel Tillman, who plays Mr. Mm. Milchick, mm. who is a oh, minor yes. question mark character man. in this. Oh, man. And is so good. Michael Chernus, who people may remember from Patriot oh. Sad Spies, a show that if you haven't watched it, just go watch it. It's on, Plus is it on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> it might be. Uh, uh, Lex knows what every, where everything is if it's on Amazon. <laughs> uh, Michael Chernus, anyway, he's 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 great too as Rickon, in, uh, who is uh, Adam Scott's uh, brother-in-law who has written a self-help book, a self-help <laughs> book that ends up in an interesting place. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then you get the minor actors like John Turturro, and Christopher Walken yeah. and, and Patricia yeah, Arquette. Minor. Little supporting actors. <laughs> yeah, it's like every yeah. character, character in the actors. show, every actor, their character with their performance could be the main character in another show. Mm-hmm. It's They're so strong. I mean, the writing's strong too, but there's just, everything is so, it's like precise. There's a precision, especially on the severed flow where everything is is uh, like crystal. It's just every action. It's so good. It's sharp. So I'll give you, for for those who are not terrified of all details and are still hanging on here before uh, deciding whether they're going to listen or they're going to go watch it, I'll just say uh, a little bit more about it. You can run away now if you want to be completely (laughs) unspoiled. But yes, the premise is basically that everybody who works at this company in the white walls of Lumen is severed. And that means they have undergone a brain a procedure that has disconnected their biographical memory, but it is geolocked to, uh, or, or yeah, 
yeah, it's geolocked to the building that they're working in. So they they step inside and they know they forget who they are outside, but they remember who they are inside. And likewise, if you are outside the building, you remember who you are outside, but don't remember who you are and what you do inside. And so that moment from the perspective of the Audi, as they're called, they step into the doorway and then they step out and it's the end of the day. There's no perception of time having passed, which I didn't quite get. Right initially either i think it's a critical element it of the is show. because from the perspective of an innie when you leave at the end of your shift you step out of the door and are now stepping back in to start oh. another shift and you work forever yeah. when glenn makes that comparison to hellishness like that that is <laughs> to me the real like the, it is surprising to me even given how i i don't even feel like dystopian is the right word but just given how miserable the place lumen is to work and they clearly don't care <laughs> That it is that for their employees. It is surprising to me that there is no solution in place to not have the staff feel that way. And I get that they have various uh, worker perks that these, mm-hmm. to, again, to Glenn's point, that these cult fans, <laughs> these cult members, <laughs> these unwilling cult members uh, grow to like. But it is shocking to me that there is no plan for how do we not have them feel tortured yeah. that they are always working. It's, it's, it is peculiar. Um I have some thoughts about that that I'm going to save until after we kind of break for spoilers. I will say, though, that mentioning hell, the first episode is called Good News About Hell. And uh, yeah. (laughs) So so anyway, it's on Apple TV Plus and uh, I think it's like five dollars a month. So if you don't have a free sign up, you can just sign up and watch it. And there's Ted Lasso's on there. There's a bunch of there's actually a bunch of really good stuff on there now. So you there's plenty. Plenty. Slow Horses is great. There's a shrink next door is what I would have to recommend. I think I get fired if I don't say it. Uh, Oh. Um, hey, I just one other thing that I want to mention okay. that's not spoilery is uh, it, it there's um, I think there's a tension in modern in modern I don't know filmmaking TV making this sounds too pretentious but uh, about the use of space and I know that this is you know I kind of go back to the George Lucas thing one of the things that George Lucas's three prequels were criticized for was that he lost the sense of real space everyone was just walking in these green screens back and forth in tiny sound studios it felt like and that was kind of the there's like this bust out element and I feel like some shows uh, TV shows and movies um, have different explorations of it and sometimes it's traveling around the world or whatever this show does an incredible job of using uh, hallways, interiors, stairways, doors, all the like liminal spaces, endless spaces. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're claustrophobic. Sometimes they seem infinite. Sometimes they're really, um, I don't know, intimate. Right. But uh, I think the use of space in the show, it's almost like a, it is a character because it's meant to give you a sense of like what kind of environment the people are navigating through almost internally. So I just think it's incredible. I mean, I think we come back, we've already mentioned a couple of times, it's like these endless scenes of corridors, uh, there's a little bit of a Solaris element in there yeah, where people yeah. are oh, yeah, yeah. going on and on and on. Talk, talk there's a scene where Mr. <laughs> Mr. Milchik is running and it seems like he's running forever, but it's absolutely plot driven. You know, it's not not extraneous. Right. Before we fire off the spoiler horn, let me take a break for our sponsor. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Collide. Collide sends employees important, timely, and relevant security recommendations for their Mac, Linux, and Windows devices all right inside of Slack. It's perfect for organizations that care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to get there by locking down devices to the point where they're unusable, frustrating their team. Don't do it. Collide doesn't frustrate your team. It educates your employees about security and device management while directing them to fix important problems themselves. It gets them where they live in Slack. 
Collide knows that for IT administrators, the key to solving some of the most common security issues is to educate end users. They do this by instructing developers to set passphrases on unencrypted SSH keys. That's a good idea. Finding plain text two-factor backup codes and teaching end users how to store them securely and encouraging employees to uninstall bad browser extensions that might sell their browser history. Just some of the many use cases that are not solved by just locking down devices. You can try Collide with all its features on an unlimited number of devices for free for 14 days and there's no credit card required try it out at collide.com slash snell hey that's my last name that's k-o-l-i-d-e not my last name dot com slash s-n-e-l-l that's my last name and if you enter your email when prompted you'll get a free collide gift bundle after trial activation thank you to collide for supporting the incomparable all right i'm gonna fire off the spoiler horn here um we got a spoiler party (laughs) Everybody gets to stand there and the horn gets fired off. I got my maraca. Yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, uh, So go watch it. And now we're going to talk about it in more detail. And we're not going to, we don't care anymore. Ha, we don't care. (laughs) We get, we can talk about anything now because we're, we're, Mm -hmm. we're beyond, we're beyond the veil. I wanted to start by saying my comparisons to lost built as the as the season went along because it got weirder and weirder and the idea that we talked about the cult right before but it's like it's unclear how cultic cultish it is at the beginning by the end it's very (laughs) clear but at the beginning it's not and and one of the things i love about this show is how it's trying to do a bunch of different stuff here but at its core i do think what it's trying to be is an absolutely vicious satire of corporate america mm-hmm. and it boy put that right in my veins i think it i think it's so good <laughs> and i think it's so good cuz it's so vicious that the message to me one of the key messages and themes of this show is your employer will tell you that your work is part of your life and that your work Co-workers are your family and that your employer is a benevolent parent and that, you know, you should have great pride in your time at work because that's what matters. And the show is basically like, no, that's (laughs) That's a lie. That whole thing is a lie. What matters is what's outside, not what they tell you on the inside. And that just, I mean... Wow. Like I, it, and it does it in such a fierce way. It is using science fictional stuff to, to have it be more metaphorical than that. But in the end, it's sort of like, let's posit what happens if all you have, you have two lives, you have your work life and your home life. How does that go? And the answer is your work life is a living hell. That's it. Yep. And it doesn't actually end up making your outside life any better. Right. No, it really doesn't. Well, we, wait, we don't know about that because the only outside life we know about until very near the end is Mark's and Mark has a lot of reasons for his outside life not to be great. Um, and in fact, that's why right. he's working at Lumum is, is because of a tragedy in his, in his life when his, when his wife died. Um, see, I Mark. think uh, there was, there was a lot of um, in the, in the early stages during the slow burn period uh, before it went really crazy. <laughs> I was I was fascinated by the show, of course, because of the set design, as Lex said, oh, yeah. and and just and just all the things. But there were some things that kind of that kind of pissed me off about it, and one of them was the uh, sense that I had that the people who are making this 
all are are of course all artists and their feelings about working stiffs right. kind yep. of it was a little bit annoying more than a little bit annoying you know oh they live in this sterile environment whereas we're out here making these wonderful things for you uh for you people um and but the but the interesting thing about where and where I disagree with Jason about the the corporate satire, not that it isn't a corporate satire, but the companies that I work have worked for kind of, and part of this has to do with just the kind of work that I do, they, they, your work life and your personal life get very much intermixed. Uh, and I think there are a lot of people who are knowledge workers in, in this world and probably in, in our audience where they work at home, not and not just because of uh, of COVID, but they work at home. There, they get they work at off hours. They do a lot of things. In Severance at Lumen, that doesn't happen right. un- until there's an overtime protocol comes in. Mm-hmm. It is a lot more like the way uh, a lot of other people uh, live. Not people like Ben Stiller. But but people who have a job, but their job is not them. Yes, they, they have their own personal life, and they have activities that they do. And when they leave the office, they leave the office, uh, metaphorically, as well as physically. At at Lumen, of course, you really leave the office because it's not even you anymore. And so, so it, it that that I think is is very different from the oh, we're a big family here where the corporation wants to eat into your personal time. At, at Lumen, they don't do that. I happen to work at a company where the the founder famously talks about, and doesn't even talk about work-life balance, but rather work-life harmony. Because it's, it doesn't have to be balanced as long as you just always love the work. <laughs> and you can just do it all the time. The, the, the leap that's difficult for me with Adam Scott in this show, and again, I love the show, so I'm, I'm only nitpicking because I love it, <laughs> not, not, not despite the love. But he decides that he's going to go through getting severed because of the pain of his um his his what he believes to be his late wife and i don't understand that as a move <laughs> i don't like, think he understands what it means though i think it's uh, i'm not sure he's i don't think he got it i don't think he's an idiot but i think it's preying on you know grief though it seems like that might be one of the elements of i think he just I think it's basically just he knows that for eight hours a day or however long his shift is, he won't be suffering from that pain. And I don't know, like it's never made explicit whether he thinks that that will help him heal in any way. Uh, there are other characters who explicitly tell him that's not a good way to heal. It's you're it's, right. you're actually right. hindering uh, the the grief yeah. process, um, which I think he is. Like that's that's kind of what it looks like. Yes. Uh, and and. And I think that he was basically just like for eight hours a day, I get to completely not remember this. And that in and of itself is is good enough. I He probably didn't think it through <laughs> because 100 percent of his time is is grieving. But well, I yeah. also I want to say and this is a, actually goes to part of uh, Dr. Drang's point, which is I mean, there is it is metaphor, right? It is not to be taken literally. I would say that one of the things that this show does that is interesting that makes you wonder exactly what it is saying about this is, OK, you really can step away if you're a severed worker, but where are the people living on the outside? It feels like a very, like, especially where Mark is living, it feels it's like a company, a company town. town, right? Oh, it yeah. totally, so it's it like, totally you, is. oh, good, you're not inside Lumen, but you're still 
outside lumen inside lumen right like they're everywhere and and it permeates life in this very strange somewhat you know not hermetically sealed but like Mm -hmm. it is a company town everybody knows somebody who works at lumen and also to Dr. Drang, yes, you're right. The people on the severed floor don't have to deal with the the the, the company as a family, but the other people on the company absolutely do. <laughs> it is completely a cult and completely taking over their lives. Mm-hmm. I used to work for a company that uh, was was famous for hiring people from outside of town so that they would have no connections locally, so that <sighs> they could just spend all of their time working. And like that resonated <laughs> with me. Like, yes, this company doesn't just want your your labor. Uh, maybe it does for the severed people, but it wants your life. It wants literally your soul. It is a culty religion by the end. And yeah, it it it, it rang very true. Uh, Eric, I was thinking about your experience. former employer from what I know about it. And they would absolutely not not only would they want a severed floor, but they would be like, you go to you go to work from that 25 and you wake up and you're it's you're 60. Yep. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> the I think, you know, Jason, the only reason that I am bristling a little bit the lost comparison and again i'm i'm about to finish a, a giant lost rewatch is i think to me lost built itself despite the creators complaints to the contrary about its mysteries and to me the mysteries on severance aren't the most important part the character yeah. experiences are and i think that's where i'm seeing All the right. difference i mean i, I, that's, I, I yeah that's a different perspective uh, yeah i i think I actually one of the things I like about Lost is that is that the flashbacks inform the characters and that's something that makes them it about the characters. But I would also say that as the show goes, as Severance goes, um, I I think there are more mysteries that are introduced. Right? It feels by the end, it feels a lot more like Lost than it does at the beginning. Only in the sense yeah. that you have a whole question about like why does this group exist? Why does the, I mean, honestly, one of the reasons I compare it to Lost is that it's a group of people looking at what is basically an old computer and pushing buttons with numbers <laughs> and, and nobody knows what it does, but they do it every day. Right? Like, I mean, come on, but it's not just about that. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that they introduced that. I assume that we'd understand eventually what macro I, I thought in the first season, we will probably get a glimpse of what macro data refinement does. I would say we have no idea. Uh-uh. And in the <laughs> whole good. business, like they start, it was a wonderful, I mean, I think that's a great thing as part of the slow burn is, is they present us at different points with mysteries that are never solved or not. We were really no closer. I mean, they introduced the character of the person who ostensibly invented the severance procedure. Uh, she brutally kills a man yeah. and we never see her again for the rest of this season. You're like, what is a, that's a big, wonderful risk to take. But just the That's my the favorite numbers. scene of the entire season, it, by the way. Yeah, is that, it's is just, the scene where the doctor just kills the security guy. Oh my god. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, incredible. Yeah, yeah, kill that guy. It's incredible. It's so brutal <laughs> and unexpected. I guess I should but yeah. It no, it's insane. But the uh, or the yeah, it, there's some grand well, not mm-hmm. grand guignol, there's some really gory stuff in it that is it per it needs to be there. Like it's actually not gratuitous, but but necessary. Mm-hmm. But but I'm sorry, but so the macro data refinement business, it's just, they present that as like, oh, they're doing this thing and the, was the fours will make you feel frightened or you'll look at the numbers. And yeah. um, someone created a simulation of that software you can play online. <laughs> do it. And I spent a little oh, time no. playing with it and you start to get this weird sensation. Like, I don't know how they randomize the areas, but you start to feel this intuitive thing. You're oh, watching no. the numbers move around and it actually is creepy how much somebody deconstructed the sense of it into a game. It's good. Stay away. From paper cutters, Glenn. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, dear incomparable listener. Now, you're listening to the non member version of this podcast. And if you don't know about that, we have a member version of the incomparable. 
It is just for the people who support us at theincomparable.com slash members. And it has no ads. And uh, this week it has a thank you to members in this spot where you're hearing this instead. And so I encourage you, if you enjoy our podcast, to support us directly by becoming a member of The Incomparable. There are monthly or annual pledges you can make at theincomparable.com slash members. In addition to the recently added and ad-free version, The Incomparable Special Edition, we're calling it. We added more lightsabers and lasers, too, I guess, but we took out the ads. There's a bunch of other stuff you get by being an Incomparable member. If you listen to some of our spinoff shows, other shows on the network, you can support them, too, as part of it. You can check a box and have your money go to a bunch of different shows if you want, or if you just want to support us, just check our box, and it'll all come here. All members get access to a special community that's really awesome where we're talking about all the stuff that we love that we talk about on The Incomparable and its related podcasts. There is also a special podcast feed of bonus material that we populate throughout the year. But this month, we're uh, having every show on the network basically generate something that is original the Incomparable is going to do another um, uh, podcast commentary track for a movie. We actually have a bunch in the archive. You get access, if you're a member, to everything we've ever posted for members. So you sign up, and you don't just get this year's. You get all of it for all time. We have so many commentaries. We do about three or four a year. We've got a bunch of Star Wars movies in there. We're going to do Real Genius this weekend. John Syracuse, uh, he was invited technically, but he, he is not going to come. Uh, and we're going to watch that, and then you play it back while you watch the movie. It's a lot of fun. Um, there's a Avengers, uh, an Avengers live commentary from the people who do Biff from Dan and Guy and John. They watch the Avengers. A bunch of extra episodes. There's an extra total party kill. Robot or not, John Syracuse and I played a game where John tries to um, pretend that he's a human, but I know he's a robot, or maybe I don't know he's a robot, and that's the problem. A lot of great extra stuff. If you like actual play D&D, Total Party Kill is like a year ahead of the public feed. All that stuff is available. There's a video podcast version. There's a lot of stuff. If you like us enough to give $5 a month or the annual equivalent, you can go all the way up to 20 and you get some even more extras. But at $5 a month or the equivalent, you get all of the digital stuff that we're giving to members. You just get it all. Um, and it all comes in podcast form so that you can just uh, put your member feed in your podcast player and uh, sit back and get the cool member stuff that's coming your way. There's a bootleg feed. If you want to listen to our episodes right after they're recorded and edited, we've got that too. All of this stuff is there, plus the great community. So check it out, theincomparable.com slash members. Thanks for listening, and I won't bother you with a member appeal probably again for a year. Uh, but in this feed, you're still going to hear the ads, and that's just how it is. So Either way, thank you for listening. If you can't support us right now, that's fine. We love you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We've been doing it for 12 years. It's amazing that people still listen to it, honestly. And we appreciate you regardless of whether you are a member and get the special feed or you're listening in the regular old feed here. We love you too. Thank you for considering. And back to the show. Where I was going, though, in, in, in challenging Jason's Lost Comparison was that, sp despite not thinking that the mysteries are the, the central part of it, I do have a lot of questions. <laughs> I yeah. do wonder. It is true. Because the, yeah. the, um, you know, there's the politician and the pregnant wife who is clearly severed oh, for man. different reasons outside. Ugh. Severed and during her pregnancy, yeah. To your, during her, her labor and stuff. All, and yeah. all of her births, all three births so to far. To your, oh. you know, 
the uh, to me there is a ton of mystery around why the folks who the unsevered lumen staffers why they do this why they choose this life why it's so important uh i do find the entire conceit of the board <laughs> and how <laughs> patricia arcade communicates with the board to be truly hilarious but like why do those people choose to work there are more people severed than we know or than they know because it, it's clear to me that that pregnant woman doesn't even know that she's severed. yeah like yeah. is not aware and don't forget the goats let's just you know the goats. The goats. Forget the goats. i appreciated that the writer said i don't know what the goats mean he's like i don't know why there's goats there all right I, I think it was the goats that made it more, seem like lost uh-huh. more mm-hmm. than it. it was just like this very out of left field thing that uh, you know apparently because i haven't been as many articles about this or at least i haven't seen them apparently they do know what that is well apparently they of, didn't know what of, that was but, for when they wrote the goats the but, but they but have not since, when they first wrote it yes but they yeah. have since figured out but i mean i understand the pulse behind the goats and again being somebody who watched lost and listened to the lost podcast and and, and mm-hmm. you know had to wait long weeks between episodes oh, um i will which is yeah it it definitely plays better uh when you can watch them all fairly fairly fast but everybody I, it always drove me crazy that everybody had these arcane theories about what was going on and i'll tell you what the goats are now they're good they've made something up now but what the goats are is i have to have a scene where our characters are going through very long hallways in this weird building that is just it's 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 bright white walls when it's brightly lit sometimes it's dimly lit you have to go way too far to get to anywhere what do they find when they go all the way to hell and gone down there what would they find that would make them go what how about goats goats that's all it's that's literally all it is is what is the weirdest thing that would be at the end of one of these endless hallways and the answer was baby goats baby goats plus they're cute and they're adorable I'm coming at this from kind of the opposite angle of as Lex. I, I enjoy the characters and their interactions, but I am actually much more interested in the puzzle. Like that was mm-hmm. that was what what grabbed me. So yeah, while the the goats are kind of like lost, I felt like the waffle party was a little more Twin Peaks, and that was kind of <laughs> as much as I like Twin Peaks. That was kind of where the one place where I started to like get off the ship I was just like okay this just got too weird for me like the waffles themselves I guess that's okay but then when Dylan goes into the bedroom and there's these people dancing and masks and costumes and I was just like whoa 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 yeah. I was interested up until now and I think I might be out luckily they got me back because I really did enjoy the final episode it was just weird episode, seeing but... my life on screen that way <laughs> eyes wide shut a little more than Twin Peaks yeah. because eyes wide shut has I haven't ter- seen that so. it has a terrible scene i guess is maybe supposed to look very sexy and just looks incredibly tedious and i thought this is the same thing it's like yeah. dylan is presented with this thing that i get gas is supposed to be titillating it's his reward but it's well, just he likes waffle parties so he we know that he knows what that yeah, is and he's yeah. expecting it and in, is going to enjoy it like he was he was talking about waffle parties from like the very first episode so i was a little i was honestly just disappointed by that because i just thought it was too over the top and weird um you but get the, one waffle though you just get one waffle <laughs> it's that's hardly yay. a party it's, that's, yeah, that's it not very that's very the party. Biggest like. mystery of all. But is... the uh, the board thing actually reminded me. I don't know if any of you have played the uh, the video game Control, but it was like it's exactly like that. You're talking to a mysterious board, and you can't actually hear their voice. Oh, interesting. C- completely, and the the buildings are all government buildings, or it's a building that's a government building that has like weird long hallways and and stuff. So mm-hmm. I I don't know if that was on purpose or it's just that they're playing on some of the same themes. But that is my favorite video game from a long time, like for 
over the last several years. So it worked for me. And it is season two of Counterpart is very much the could be uh... I, which I still have yet to watch. Okay. So now I'm the, even the, more excited. Whoever is in like there's the mystery of who is running the organization. Who's who's in yes. the I forget what the name of it is, but they're on like the third floor and they're their control or administration yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> and they, yeah, and they, they all have like the, somebody who brings a little radio in and listens on an earpiece and then relays what they have to say. And you're like, what are you doing? Which I think is also, um, you know, you talk about the executives being removed from the workers, but, um, but yeah, the, the cult aspect of it is, is something that grows over time. It turns out that this is like a family business, but it's also kind of a cult that, that, um, everybody is praising Kier. Um, Kier Egan is the is the founder of Lumen, and so they built up a corporate kind of cult culture around him. I think it's fascinating for what it says about like building up a culture around founders. I will point out between that and the lack of a, a life work balance and all of the white hallways. I think it's <laughs> interesting that this is on Apple, Apple TV yeah. Plus. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. interesting. Uh, <laughs> but the other thing about the about the 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 cult, like. Uh, it, it, it is the place where we get the strange intersection of, um, and I mentioned him earlier. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, oh, oh, now I've lost Michael Chernus, who is Rickon, who mm-hmm. is, who has written a hilariously <laughs> bad oh, philosophical so self-help <laughs> book. I love it. No I one knows so where much. the word camera comes from. <laughs> we think it's from camaraderie and and <sighs> through a through a series of unfortunate events that book ends oh, up man. in so the good. building with these blank slates who all they ever get as severed people is the wisdom of Kier and little to the corporate knowledge, the wisdom of Kier is being combated by the wisdom of Rickon and the people on the inside think Rickon is a freaking genius. It's, I, one of my favorite things in the whole show, and, actually. And the fact that th- this unfortunate series of events is actually stemming from the cultiness mm-hmm. of this company because they have, uh, you know, Miss Cobell, who is spying on Mark in the real world as his fake neighbor. Fake well, I mean, I guess oh she's God. his real neighbor, but with a fake name. So, and, but, yes. Yeah. Let's double click on that for a second. Because yeah. I think Patricia Richardson is insanely <laughs> good. Arquette? Yes. yes. What did I say? Yeah, Patricia Arquette is insanely good here. Mm-hmm. And oh, man. I, th- that to me is a central mystery, is why is she doing this? It, why? It, we don't have any evidence that anybody else is doing this, that, that there are other uh, severed employees who have neighbors who also work at Lumen. It's crazy. The crazy personality and she clearly loves mark like she clearly cares about him oh yeah and thinks about him and and wants good things for him and is seemingly yeah, insane but mark, mark is an experiment though yeah remember mark, that the mark is remember an that the, the settlement area that whole um block that whole area they live in it's a company town but at some point mark mentions that few of the houses were sold so he and ms cobell are kind of the uh only people who are living there. He makes it sound like it's pretty sparse. And as you drive around, as he drives around, not a lot of cars in the driveway, not a lot of uh, recycling put out on the right night. Is that Tuesday or Wednesday? So, mm-hmm. Doc, why do you say he's an experiment? He's an experiment because of Gemma. Uh, Miss, yep. uh, Ms., uh, Casey. Yeah, what is her name? Miss Casey. Miss um, Casey, yeah. So that whole thing. So his his supposedly dead wife is special and she is like the company psychologist right. or something wellness and, expert yes wellness and, corporate wellness well what, corporate <laughs> wellness expert it's a wellness check love it who does not who is different because she's ms casey she's not 
somebody X C. or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so she's different now. Of course, she can't, she couldn't be Gemma. That would be, right. that would be a tip. Well, maybe it wouldn't be a tip. Maybe off not, Mark's, right? Yeah. Mark doesn't, mm-hmm. it's not supposed to know. But anyway, there's clearly, uh, uh, Harmony is, is clearly doing something as she's watching Mark's interaction with, uh, with Ms. Casey. And I don't think she does that with everyone. Yeah. It, it seems like she, there's a, and that, and that's why she's living next to Mark. So she can watch and see what he's doing and how is he being affected by the fact that his supposedly dead wife is someone that he comes in contact with not every day, but fairly frequently. And she says they watch it very closely when the two of them interact. And we, that's before yes. we know the the secret there. I would also say that I, I have a little bit of headcanon here, but I think that behind the scenes, what's really what's also going on is that um, he because he was a right. He was a professor and all of that. So I, yes. I feel like he was recruited basically to come to Lumen, that this was part of it. Like it was hmm. it, this was all part of the plan. Right. And that all part of the experiment. In fact, could be, but and I didn't. We'll uh, one see. thing that I didn't realize until I was reading through the uh, Wikipedia summaries is so the the wellness check where he goes in and she gives him clay to sculpt yeah. his feelings. Right, he sculpts right. a tree, and like I totally didn't get it until I read the Wikipedia. Like he had visited a tree in right. memory of his his dead wife, so he's not remembering her consciously, but subconsciously there's some sort of memory because she's right in front of him and he builds a tree. Yeah. Right. That explains why Ms. Cobell took the candle, stuck into his house, took the candle and put it when they had their wellness session together that Gemma had made because mm-hmm. she wanted to see if it was going to trigger, or that's what I assume the writers wanted us to think, right. was going to trigger more memories. But that was that was the creepiest oh, ass thing in reverse when you realize, like, you think first, this is extremely creepy that she took his dead wife's candles and put it in there. And then as soon as you <laughs> did the revelu- revelation of him to pasting her picture back together and see her face. You're like, Oh, that is really effed up, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't, uh, was anyone surprised when it, when the picture was Miss, Miss Casey? Yes. I mean, it pretty much. Yes. It ha- oh, yeah, I was, oh, I was yeah. not because I figured I didn't it watch ha- lost it, again, <laughs> conservation of characters. Well, no conservation of characters. Who yeah. else could it be? It's Hallie. not harmony. It's not harmony. It's not going to be a Natalie, the curly haired oh, woman met on the outside. I yeah. fell I fell for what they were trying to make me fall for because I, I do try to turn off my brain when I'm watching puzzle type shows because I don't want to figure it out ahead of time. I want to, I want the surprise moment. And that worked very well for me this time because I totally fell for the idea that yes. like here they are in the inside and, and Mark and, and Helly are getting close and she yeah. kisses him. And like I was just like it's. Maybe it's not going to be her, but maybe it is going to be her. I didn't think about it too hard. So then when it was Miss Casey's face, I was like, holy moly. So I had the exact reaction that they wanted me to have. And sorry that I'm dumber than you guys, but uh, well, it was no, more it, fun. Not, not me. I, was, me. I was sitting there as as, as we, we knew that it was going to be revealed. And I said, please don't be Helly. Come on. Please yeah. don't be Helly. Don't do, don't <laughs> who do else, that. Who else could it, it be? And, and then, and then yeah. oh, yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be her. But uh, I have a theory about mm. the whole show. Is it too early to present my theory? No. All right. Here's. <laughs> I, I we got no. a ruling. No. Uh, yeah, let's I'll see allow what it. No. All right. So, all right. Thank you. There's, there's me, no I, rule in the rule book against <laughs> it. I've torn, out, I've, I've torn out that page and stuffed it with melon, Jason. That's why I have a theory, which is that I I think what they're building up to is this is about immortality, right? And th- there's so many things. The Hall of Perpetuity, the board not speaking, uh, the dead wife who lives on site. There's in Petey's map. He has that thing, the people who never leave. And he has those little houses that seem to be off to the side. And at first I thought, oh, is that people who live like Mark in the ha- in the 
corporate housing or the corporate you know, development. And then I, and then you realize, no, it's probably something else. And we see uh, Ms. Casey, Emma go down the, or Gemma go down into a different elevator at the end of another creepy right. hallway. Mm-hmm. Um, which so is, which th- is also, by the way, what John Turturro is painting on the outside. Yep. Oh my God. Well, I thought that was, oh, you know, you're totally right. I was thinking yep. it was the, I thought he was painting it metaphorically, but you're absolutely right. No, it's no that connection. hallway. Yeah. Dark so hallway with a light is, at the end. Mm-hmm. My theory, the board is the, uh, the uh, disembodied brains of all the previous uh, Lumen family, all the Egans who haven't yet, they can't fully communicate yet. And this whole project has something to do with cryogenics and restoration. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's my theory. So, and that, that Gemma actually Gem, what Gemma was in a car accident and they retrieved her body and they uh, were able to re- resuscitate her basically. I, I look at the board and it's, it's disembodiedness as not that like I, I had a similar thought Glenn, like, is it because these are <laughs> minds and waiting? But I yeah. think to me it was just to contribute to the, that's why I make the, the Charlie Kaufman comparison. Mm. Like it was just to contribute to a general feeling of surreality. To me, it's the equivalent of the seven and a half floor and being John Malkovich that like, even uh, it's sometimes hard to identify when this show is supposed to be taking place because the mm. hardware is <laughs> seemingly very outdated for no reason. Right. And you don't see it. You see, I think some cell phone usage, but not a ton, not nearly as much without mm. as you expect if it was set now ish. But I, I feel like it's all, it's, I don't think there's any reason that they're using outdated hardware and it would not surprise me at all if they were doing nothing on those computers and it was just like they care the, that Lumen does not care at all about the work that's being done. They care only right. about it's experiment. the experiment. Well, mm-hmm. I would say, I think both of those things are true because um, one is, I think the board is, the way they handle it is to keep the board at arm's length for most of it because what they really want is that last episode where you uh, where you discover who Heli really is. Yeah. And you that the family that's running the company and that they've got their big event and the big revelation, which is the reason because it's a big mystery early on where she keeps trying to leave and her Audi says no and she kill tries to kill herself and Crazy. the Audi says no and it's like how why would anybody yeah. do that and the mm-hmm. answer is it's she she's part of the family that runs the company and it, this whole thing is a PR stunt to promote severance because they want it legalized in more broad, broad terms. And that's what I think the show ultimately is actually about is the broader use of mind control, which is why the state Senator and his pregnant wife mm-hmm. are a part of season one is because there's this idea that yes. this, this could be right. a lot larger. And when you talk about the override procedure for or overtime procedure, mm-hmm. you're also now opening a can of worms, which is, well, wait a second, we can change who you are at any time anywhere so there's Mm -hmm. that aspect of it so i think in the end what lumen is uh yes lex i think lumen is all about severance actually they're in the business of severance that is what they're trying to prove and and trying to roll out in it which is a horrible thought right because because i want to come back to it these people in the office are being tortured they are being tortured they can never leave work ever Ever. ever, ever. It makes me struggle the most with with Heli because we love Heli the Innie, I think. Like, we admire her strength <laughs> and who she is. But Heli the Audi is awful. Like, she's true to, to see what's happening and to support this for the PR purposes. Like, yeah. it's beyond awful. Doing it to herself <laughs> and, like, just not caring. It's it's like the, the most... You talk about, Jason, the comparisons um, to... 
uh, work and, and um, corporate America, but there's also something just to about how humans see each other and what value we place on people who aren't us. Cause this even is them and they give they, I'm trying to not swear because it's yes. incredible. They don't care. They, they don't, don't care. care. And it's herself. Really it's herself. It's herself. It made me really mad. Like it was really upsetting. Well, when she says, I'm a person, you are not. That is <laughs> like, she says that to herself. Oh. And you're like, oh my. That was, that was, I think the key. It's not like a, I don't know. It's not like the, the midpoint of the whole season, but it, you're suddenly realize how in that moment, how absolutely terrible, you know, that person is. Mm-hmm. And there was a hint at the beginning uh, when uh, when Heli is is <laughs> running out. Heli R is running out oh, and yeah. trying to get out, and then she's in the stairwell, and you see Mr. Milchek being like he's practically worshiping her at the beginning. So I was like, okay, something is going on with her. She's different from everybody else for some reason. I think my thought was just like she was another senator or something like that. So I didn't see the Egan thing coming, but I definitely saw that she was she was more important than everybody else for some reason. Um, so it was still nice to be surprised by just how important she was and just how awful, as you just said, how awful she was to to her. Like she's been, she's clearly been raised uh, and brainwashed to believe that this other part of her is not an actual person. Like her dad says, you know, oh, what that, that I can't believe that what that terrible Eni did to you. And I was just like, but that's her. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I have to, you know, so in that last episode, when the reveal about who Helly is came out and I was not expecting it, but it, but after, after the show was done, I, every, it just, everything made sense. I mean, mm-hmm. it re, it really was, it was all there for us. Yep. Uh, you know, the way the Audi was imperious with her. Well, of course she was. Why is Helly so headstrong? Well, because your innie and your Audi aren't completely different from one another. And she is a woman who has always gotten her way because of who she is. And Mm -hmm. she's to the manner born. And I was also thinking about the way she's dressed, which is uh, not, uh, not ostentatious, but I think very expensive and, Mm -hmm. and clean. Her clothes fit extremely well. Tailored. Her hair is always perfect. It's not, it doesn't draw a lot of attention. It's not glamorous, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's the sort of thing that very wealthy people do. They, they, they dress like us, but they don't look like schlumps the (laughs) way we do. They have 10,000 count, uh, they have 10,000 thread count uh, sheets. Uh, I was going to point out just briefly in rewatching, I realized Milchik bring Mr. Milchik brings Helly flowers at the end of her first day. He meets her at the elevators and I, and I couldn't understand the first time through. And then I was rewatching. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it seemed it seems super weird. Um, but the other is one of the very first elements of the show. They dispense with this right away is when she's still being asked questions and she says, am I livestock, which is a great, you know, theme every Mm -hmm. sci-fi show, right? Am I livestock? And he's like, no, why would we bother to raise a human being, being, (laughs) give you consciousness and do your makeup or do, you know, do your nails or something? And I was like, it was a great way of calling attention to how pulled together that she was when she woke up. It's funny. I did see it coming that she was going to be part of the company. I didn't know that she would be a Kier specifically, but like, it was clear to me that she was like- very important on the outside mm-hmm. because she's the only one they ever take pictures of. <laughs> the, yes, the photos are which only comes ever back of her. at the end. 
I yes. didn't notice that. I noticed that he was taking pictures. I didn't notice that he was taking pictures just of her. So that was Only fascinating. But yeah. this brings me to the, uh, there are two things about this show that I absolutely hated. And one was the music huh. in the beginning, uh, as I've already mentioned. And the other was the way that they shot Brit Lower and had the, the quote unquote cheesecloth effect. Everybody else had real uh, skin uh. and she looked like a freaking mannequin the entire time. And like from the moment I noticed it, I couldn't unsee it. And it just made me mad. Uh, it, like, I, you know, I can understand wanting the ladies to look pretty, but they didn't do that with the other women characters. It was just her. And I mean, maybe it was supposed to be the, the you know, another subtle clue that or not so subtle she's clue that special. she's an Egan. Yeah. But <laughs> it just it looks it looks unnatural and it just looks like it's poorly done because she doesn't match anybody else. She doesn't look like a real person at wow, all. I and I hated that. it. <laughs> well, if you watch it again, okay, I will. try I'll not the, to notice I'll it. Look for that Jerry Finnerman uh, soft focus. It'll bother, it'll bother you so much. It's the so whites bad. of her eyes are so incredibly white and clear. It's it is almost inhuman. And I don't I don't think it, that's the actress. I mean, everybody has a little bit of blood I mean, in they their did eyes, so much but... work to make her skin smooth. <laughs> yeah. They might as well have done a little yeah. extra work on the uh, on the whites of her eyes. It's my understanding there'd be no eye blood discussed today. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that's right. I, I... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I wanted to mention Petey. Um, mm-hmm. Petey is, is the fourth member of the team who is, who then is gone without any explanation to the innies and is replaced, uh, by Heli. But Petey then appears outside at Mark's door and explains that they were best friends on the inside and he has had the severance procedure reversed. And so he can process both mm. sides of the history and he's going to try to blow this whole thing wide open and he draws the map and and uh, he has horrible headaches and he dies. But he he has a phone and he's got contacts and he is letting Mark on the outside in on the fact that this is going on because you kind of need an inciting incident, something that kind of breaks through mm-hmm. in order to have a, a show right because otherwise wh- why would it not just keep going the way it's going what happens pd pd decides to break his severance and then all sorts of wild things spin out of that including the aforementioned doctor who um beats beats the head of security to death oh my god in my favorite mm-hmm. scene in the whole like seriously by the time we get to I that point that's your favorite scene it, oh yeah i love it <laughs> i well, can well because he's, he the, he's the enforcer scene. he loves the... he's the enforcer he is he's a bad dude who is the guy who's going to enforce all of the horrible practices of that company. And he is coming to clean up loose ends. And Mark is like, eek, the guy is here. And the doctor's like, I'll take care of it. (laughs) And, and you're like, this is serious. Mm -hmm. Yes. Kill that guy. (laughs) He's a criminal. (laughs) I'd like to bring up the break room, which is so perfectly named in the, like the left luggage station in uh, England, where the left luggage station, where you leave the luggage, the break room is where they break you. It's very 1984. Yeah. Yeah. But what a beautiful, right. The long, what's the business euphemism, right? Business euphemism. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, they're going to the break room. We wouldn't say you're going to be punished. Also, by the way, what a great callback that is. The, 
um, the things that they make Helly say. Oh my God. Yes. And then she says them in the last episode. Yeah. Wow. For real. The mirror. Is, that was amazing. And I wanted to mention one other thing, um, one of my other favorite things about this. I, I, I mentioned Rickon and how bizarre that is. When, when we talk about how weird the outside town is and how there's probably some things that are really wrong about it. I also want to mention the thing that happens very early on in the show, which is that uh, Mark and his sister go to a dinner party where there is no food. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, that's great. That's another thing that makes what? it hard to sort of place where this is happening in time, like Lex said before, because that's not a thing now. Right. It feels very seven and a half floor again to me. Like it feels to me like it's to me that was early in the show. It's just like, let's make things weird. And then they and call, yeah, like, but those people right. call back later on and you're like, oh no, that's the dinner party with no food that's people. people. Yes. That's the yeah. yeah. But the, this, is, so this is an alternate history or an alternate future or whatever. It's a it's man mm-hmm. in the high castle kind of thing. I mean, you, you mentioned you know the, the technology <laughs> of, of the computers, but but you know the cars are all wrong. You know the the cars are like the cars yeah. I drove when I was a kid when I was first learning how to drive. We don't no, right. we don't have cars like that it's anymore. No era. Some are newer though. Some are newer and fresh, but some a lot of them are. I mean, Irv goes out to his car that he doesn't know is his car, right? And it's a it's a vintage car, and then he's trying to figure out how to drive shift all of a sudden because innies don't need to drive. Yes, uh, but oh, they I, did, but they only have lost their bi- their biographical memory, which means they know how to drive. He just doesn't know he knows how to drive. He, right, he has to think about it for a bit. But Irv Irv is really interesting in the yeah. in the finale because oh god, yes. Well, one, he doesn't get to go see Chris. Well, he gets to, he knocks on Christopher Walken's door, and Christopher Walken's not going to have any idea who he is when he opens that door, which is yeah. very upsetting right, to me because our three but, characters have had this override procedure done where they are now able to walk on the outside briefly in a beautiful moment because Zach Cherry oh, is holding the switches with yes. extremists. It's such amazing. We we got the we got the we got the foreshadowing too by the way. Rewatching is Zach Cherry uses his belt to or something like it to lock the conference door yeah. that Christopher Walken is inside in inside of so that he can uh, lock him in there and I was like, "Oh, that's, you know, we're supposed to see like people being locked inside outside you can see through this partition." Anyway, my only point was going to be that that whatever Irving's up to, he, Irving is is not unlike Petey. It seems like Irving is doing some yes. Audi. Irving is doing some hardcore research and analysis. He wants to bring it down, but uh, is has not surfaced anything to his own. Any like is not is it's, not spreading the word yet. So right. I find that it's. Yeah, and I like that too quite a bit because as as we were talking about earlier how, you know, Helly's personality inside and outside are not entirely different. Irv is also like he is very very intense mm-hmm. in both the inside and the outside. It's just really funny that it's turned on its ear and it's just flipped and he's intense in the exact opposite direction in both places. I love it. I'll also say we talk about the weird setting and I don't know whether that's style or not, but I, I will say if you told me, well, in season three, it's revealed that um, it's not they're not even on Earth. Right. I would be like, <laughs> OK, I can see that because like I'm not sure I believe anything that I'm seeing in or out about this world. Right. It's not like I mean, we haven't had this. Is how I felt. Oh, the other show that I, I liken it to a lot, especially as it goes on is Westworld, because I feel like it's actually some of the themes are similar. And, and there's also this idea of sort of like what is outside of the park in Westworld? Like, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Like it could, are they in space? Is it the future? Is it the, is it the past? Are there aliens? We don't know. I kind of feel like that about this town. Like one day I have to smoke pot with Jason Snell. I'm just putting no, that. Well, I mean, you'd be the first, but um, <laughs> it, it, it's right. Like it's so surreal. And I can't tell whether they're going to be like, well, yeah, it's surreal for a secret reason. Or if they're like, mm-hmm. nah, it's just surreal because it's cooler that way. I can't decide, but I'm telling you, 
if it uh, if if they were just in an alien experiment, I'd be like, all right, interesting. I agree twist. with you that I wouldn't be surprised that I, I, it wouldn't take me off guard if they said something like that. But I do think that some of the stuff is weird just to be weird. Like, I, that's I agree very much. The it does, I agree, yeah. and it's style. The giant room full of 3D printers that is suddenly enormously too big. They open that door. Irv opens the door, peeks inside, and it's this vast room with a tiny number of people in it. I didn't realize there were 3D printers in that first episode. And then Bert drops like, well, yeah, this week we were printing uh, water can, watering cans. And last week there were, was it chainsaws? One of the chains. It was all it was hatches. Hatchet. All mm-hmm. hatches. And those little clues, the weird card about the weird cards, the graphic cards that would pass the text detector on the elevators and exits, mm-hmm. the weird cards showing how to attack people in and very specific ways. The two paintings, oh, the paintings. showing paintings. M- MDR oh. versus uh, the, the design department uh, and, design. and vice versa. Right, just the, like, the fact that they're all trained to hate each other. Oh, yep. right. By the way, we just heard Glenn's Christopher Walken impression there. That was pretty exciting. No, no, that wasn't mine. <laughs> that was my, not at all. Um, the, I love the okay. fact, watching John Tuturo before Bert shows up, I'm like, it's very interesting. They had John Tuturo. They said, could you do a performance that is reminiscent of Christopher Walken? I had the same and thought. Yeah, same thought Walken before Christopher up. Walken it's, showed up. Oh, it's so, their relationship is so yeah. sweet and beautiful. And these people it are, is. there's a, there's a weird innocence. Innocent. By the, yeah. yeah, they're innocent. They're in a state of bliss, which I think ties into, or I mean, not exactly, but they're sort of in that state because they have too much knowledge for the, sp- well, sp- the state and, they're in. And they're but in hell, the but they're all in it together, well, right? There is that yeah, aspect Yeah, then they become friends at the end. Even Dylan, who seems like such, you know, he's got his quotas. He's always getting waffle parties. And then... Um, no, and I, by the way, if I could get a job, I would love to get a job in optics and design. It would be great. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. I could see. I, I want to work with there. the goats. <laughs> I like goats. I, so far, don't do that. That's like naming your. That's like naming your child after Daenerys before the red wedding. The ser- the surreality <laughs> of the idea that when they have that, like Bert's retiring. You know, right? Bert, Bert uh, Christopher Walken is retiring, and <laughs> and Very Irving is so upset because. He's never going to see him again because they aren't on the outside. They're only on the inside. So he's like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm retiring. Uh, That's not my Christopher Walken impression. But he says, yeah, I'm retiring. (laughs) And it's like, but you, it means you die, right? Like you don't come back. There's, you're gone. This you is just over. It's so strange. I really hope we get an episode next season that explains why he retired and whose choice it was mm-hmm. and how it was forced upon him. But because even his messaging, like you could see that Christopher Walken's character, even his Audi is a decent human that I, I, I don't have any of it memorized, but his, his message on video, oh, like you're all great to work with. Although I have no idea who any of you <laughs> yeah. are. Then the, like, then the pained expression on one of the workers faces, she's watching and then she looks crestfallen briefly when he says that and then brightens up when he comes back to figure out his message. <laughs> Man. So, so weird. And again, I, I just, I love the fact that one of the messages of this is fundamentally that, um, you know, it's as Blink-182 saying work sucks. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. just don't, don't trust the boss. It's not your, it's not that your family, your family is your family. Your work is not your family. That is mm-hmm. like fiercely part of what this thing is. And I think that unless, unless of course you're part of the cult family that owns the work, but otherwise mm-hmm. your work is work not for your Jason, family. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they, the. This is to your point earlier on. Is that um, the 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 all the Egan works? There's all this published work, and we have his last words. The Keir Egan's words mm-hmm. are or not Keir is the, the founding member yeah, anyway. Keir, they, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, praise Keir, all like, praise Keir. They, 
because you've come to me now, I assume I'm dying. And then he delivers this soliloquy, right? Everything is so banal and awful and <laughs> devoid of meaning, but it's so corporate style, right? In When Ms. Corbell, Corbell is suffering a crisis of fate, she pulls on her desk in the severed floor. She opens up this little, you know, daguerreotype-ish or, or black and white photo of Kier and then recites like, uh, I don't remember what the words are, before she goes and pulls the thing out of Petey's dead head. She pulls the severed chip out, but she it's oh. its complete banality that everyone is expected <laughs> to take as profundity. And she's got a whole shrine in her home. <laughs> yes. And like, it looks like maybe she was raised a in some child, sort of yeah. home for girls where she was just indoctrinated as a child, which makes me wonder, okay, maybe everybody else that was in that home for girls is also working for Lumen and are the non-severed uh, people. This is, again, headcanon. Natalie, but, for sure. But yes, it's a uh, it, well, it, like, the candle with the candles. Weird. It's like literally, if she decided not to light the candles anymore, that would be because there are there are candles in, the, in her shrine for for Kier. And then she does get when she's fired, she she tears apart she, her whole house yeah. and it's like she completely loses. It. And then and then she's like, but wait, I can save everybody at the I company. Can come back. Yeah. Yeah, and um, they immediately just trust her again too, which means they know. Like they she's get it. she's in. Yeah, she is one I, of us. I want to I want to talk about so um. This this first season, famously Ben Stiller, um, there was more story that they were going to tell. As Lex said, Ben Stiller was like, I think that having that moment that is the last scene of episode nine is the one we should end on because it's this wild cliffhanger, which I, I enjoyed because it's like it's coming back. And I, I, I love the, the just how wild it is. I prefer not to have cliffhangers at the end of seasons, but it was so intense leading to that moment. Worth but, it. But yeah, but the. I watch a lot of prestige TV shows that have a season long story arc and they sag in the middle and they don't have enough story. And then they've got to like hurry up and move all the furniture around in order to get to the ending that they want. Um, and I, I see it a lot. What impressed me the most about this, and this is maybe why I'm going to give Ben Stiller a thumbs up for choosing to end it where it it ends, is that ninth episode is fantastic. And the, the structure of it and the idea that you've got Mrs. Selvig, who we know <laughs> is the secret Lumen spy, basically, who's going to the party where Mark is and he only knows her as Mrs. Selvig but then we, it, it's the it's now it's the any Mark and he's like well, wait a second she knows me on the outside and she steals the baby and but she doesn't she doesn't well, which but is she so doesn't, sweet but did you all have the parents all have that I had reading. a horrible moment of fear when I thought the baby was in the car I was freaking out yeah and they're but like it's a, it's oh the baby's out. in the bedroom was like oh thank god it's a god. fake out but it, yeah. it's like yeah, all of it, that tension oh. builds and 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 Helly is at the at the this whole reception where she discovers is it's kind of like a celebration of how awful they've treated her. It's it, with the pictures, and she's supposed to give a speech. And of course, Irving is going to Bert's house. And all that. It's just it. I love that last episode because it just it's so I think well constructed, especially with Patricia Arquette being the snake in the in the grass. Right? I in mostly the, agree in the with house. you. The, the the level of tension that they ratchet up in that episode is unfathomable to me. Like I don't know if I can point to another episode of television where I felt that level of tension the entire time, like sustained, mm -hmm. no faking. Like they own you, and you are like, yeah. oh my god, I. But I'm also a human and I'm watching shows for entertainment and show, they can take it's theirs, right? They can take whatever they want. I need it like I don't know that I, and I've had I think Dan Moore actually tried to convince me otherwise, but I don't know <laughs> that Adam Scott's sister 
is going to know what he means. And Dan's like, he's holding the picture of his wife. So, so, so they'll know, but if they don't know what he's communicating, then like all the progress we've made in season yeah, one yeah. means nothing. I want to like, I want to at least know that they know that he means my wife is alive. Oh, he, they know, they know. I'm I, sure. Well, it, you know, we won't know I'm that until the, <gasps> I, I think so, but we're not going to know until next season. But I'm, I, I'm with Jason. I'm so glad that this is where they ended it because I feel like the, the cliffhanger actually at the end of episode eight, which is like, you know, just before like what is going to happen next? What is going to happen yes. with these people? And you've got, you know, Dylan's trying to get the, uh, the switches and hold them down and yeah. stuff. That, that's, that was like a good cliffhanger to the next episode. And the just I could not stop for literally a week straight. Random moments during the day, I would just see Adam Scott's face shouting, she's alive. And I couldn't I, I've never had that strong of a reaction to a cliffhanger before. So I'm so glad that I actually have a long chunk of time to just let that marinate. And just every time I think of that random moment, feel that frisson of the intensity. Because You're yes, that's that what I'm whole, hearing. Yeah. I, I think I am. I think I am. I'm so, I've never been that excited about, about being on tenterhooks for so long before. I watched eight and nine in one chunk. Yeah, yeah, we did I too. Was, I was behind and I recommend it. Yeah. I, I think that works really we well. We rolled right uh, into it because we had to. Yeah. We weren't going to stop. It was, yeah. it was just, yeah, no, right. I waited What, what, what are you going to do? Oh, God. I did. Wow. It, it's, um, yeah, it's. It's it's really good. I like um, I like thinking about, and this is something that I'm curious what all of you think is. Uh, one of the things that I feel after the end of episode nine is that it's like somebody just took a deck of cards and scattered it everywhere. It's like, well, now what? Because it's messy, mm -hmm. right? Like, Helly, as an innie, gives you know she. It's not like she stops before she says anything to the crowd. She yep. says her thing to the crowd. Yeah. Mark yells, "She's alive." Um, the company now knows cause Milchick does eventually, you know, is about to reach Dylan when the, when the episode ends, mm -hmm. um, yep. they know what they've been doing. They, so, so I have lots of questions about like what happens now? That break room is going to be busy. What, what, do, like, they Helly, fired? <laughs> do they need Helly's any anymore? Cause she was just a PR ploy. Do, what do they do with Mark? Do they fire them all? Um, do they make them like permanent in like I, I honestly there's so many different ways they could go I have no obvious answers here does, does the season start out with them all basically fired and on the outs but then Except there's a if they do that there's a doctor out there who knows how to undo the severance right which Ms. Corbell said she confirmed Not very well was, though no well, it's no, experimental no, Ms. yeah she said Petey didn't follow the protocol it's his fault is what she said and Ms. Corbell confirms I and mean, this is all in passing she said no it actually the severance did work and she tells the board and that's what she's supposed to go to the Keir or the egan family meeting so severance right. can be undone but mark also told his sister everything he could in that brief period so his right. sister is this outside person they'd have to get rid of and, also and don't, and, then, and don't forget the other part of this which is that they lumen has a weapon which is the overtime procedure right yeah they could they can all those flip people. you if you're doing something on the outside that they don't like Theoretically, they could just flip you to a different personality anywhere. Unless you've decoupled your severance <laughs> or you, whatever it is. Unless you shut off the Wi-Fi. Integrate they yourself. Ran, yeah. But they ran that woman, the woman who was pregnant, the senator's wife, they ran her. She was for nine months or however long she was severed on the outside. Yeah. So yep. 
I, I think the, there are a lot of mysteries here, but I also like the fact that I'm not quite sure I have, like, I don't have a great deal of confidence that season two is going to start with our four friends back in their little cubicle, right? <laughs> like, cause how, how could that be? It's, is it going to start like right where it left off or are we going to jump way ahead and then have to go backwards? Like, and I, they both seem like <laughs> writing challenges. There, there's one other character moment that I wanted to talk about for a second. Okay. Speaking of the torture and that's uh, Dylan when they learned that they, the overtime procedure exists, right? Dylan getting woken up in his closet. And yeah. oh. frankly, what a poor job we've done of making sure that that situation goes oh well. My God. Like yeah. count to a thousand or whatever he told the son to do <laughs> is not son. Was it a son? Yeah. Um, son, yeah. Yes. Then, she's, then he's but violent like, with the kid. Like, that was awful. The, all of it is awful. But like he, yeah. be, waking up there and having no other plan, like take the guy out of the house. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but doing nothing and then that guy now knowing dylan now knowing that he is a parent and i don't even know if he's telling the truth later but he's like you have two other kids i assume he's telling the truth because but Maybe. we haven't seen them lying actively I, but i don't know i didn't but, believe it i thought it to me it felt like a lie that's the currency of the inside right is that they tell you things about your out audi and it, they could all be lies right but the they, things they, tell, they you, tell you about your Audi are insane. Also, They're the ridiculous. things they tell you about your innie, like, oh, yeah, you bumped your head. It's like, well, no, actually, somebody <laughs> stabbed you, but we'll just say you bumped your head. And here's a coupon for the VIP area at the local food <laughs> emporium. The only person they don't lie to is Heli because they're like, yeah, your innie tried to strangle herself mm-hmm. and she was going to cut off your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in the, the first few episodes, I was very frustrated with Irving. Uh, because he seemed like such a nerd. Uh, <laughs> car- well, company man, badly drawn caricature <laughs> of of the company man, and he he was he was so obvious, right? There didn't seem to be anything else to him, and I'm th- and I'm watching it and thinking, why is John Turturro doing this? Mm-hmm. You don't need John Turturro to play this character. And I'm thinking, well, is this just a money gig for him, which is fine. You know, that's good for him, I guess. But it just seemed wrong to have an actor of his quality in this sort of one-dimensional character. And obviously, I was wrong about all of that because (laughs) um, although, I, you know, we all hate Irving early on, he's he's this terrible person, he's just this dope, but... To me, the most uh, unlike Jason, I although uh, you know I did enjoy the killing of the security guy, um, <laughs> and, and I did and I did enjoy when Harmony w- went in uh, to the head in at the funeral of, of, of Petey. <laughs> but to me, the, the most the most stirring part of the of the show was I don't remember whether it's episode seven or episode eight where suddenly we see Irving's Audi. And that, mm-hmm. and there's, you know, like no words in that scene. It's, it's not, it's not the scene where he goes in the foot locker and stuff. It's just, we see him, there's the dog, dog. Yeah. and mm-hmm. then he, and he starts painting and we see that he has dozens of paintings mm-hmm. of the same sort. And it was chilling uh, mm-hmm. in there. And that's why they had John Turturro playing Irving. And Irving think, takes a journey, right? So they, they kind of need to start Irving in one place so that you could see him take his journey. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's why I that's why I come back to thinking that uh, 
cutting off part of your yourself or your life for whatever reason doesn't necessarily make you feel any better on the outside because not only is Mark not dealing with his grief, but Irving is slipping deeper and deeper into whatever he you know he's got going on. Uh, we don't he has really know about too. Yeah. yeah, we don't really know about Dylan. Uh, and you know, obviously, the only thing we know about Helly is she's terrible on the outside. Yeah, we don't care, care about her inside. Yeah, whatever. Bert though seems to be having seems to have made a nice life for himself on the outside. And it's kind of weird that Bert was on the inside. Mm. Uh, frankly, don't, don't understand how that was. There was another well, interesting he... thing about, about Bert just, uh, just briefly, you know, you're talking about the cult aspects of things. One of the most interesting things about Bert was he, he obviously he buys the BS of the cult, but, but we, we learn through Bert that the BS has, has evolved. Right. He he remembered Bert remembers when Kier's sayings were a little bit different and he thinks. And so he teaches Irving some of the older sayings of Kier that aren't being presented now and somehow aren't in the book anymore. But they were in a, they're in a book that that Irving remembers or maybe or I'm sorry, Bert remembers or has. So there's been this evolution of of the catechism of Lumen as, as time goes on. Yes, which felt to me like a little treatise on religion too. But yes, also, yeah. mm-hmm. you you just gave me a, a wacky theory that maybe Bert's not actually severed. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Because I mean, he's old enough that maybe he started before the severance procedure was even really a thing. I I can't remember if there are any lines about how long he'd been with the company. But if he remembers earlier versions of the texts, you know, he's probably been there for a while. So maybe he's not actually severed. And maybe if Irv does get to him, he will remember him. Well, does that mean he's faking in the in the video? Yeah, because be. the video felt weird. <laughs> it's Christopher Walken. But it is Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> you could also yeah. suggest that being older in this world could be 10 years, right? Because they're all also essentially babies, right? Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. personalities have not been around for that long. But I do love the idea that there's there's like all this apocrypha of like, oh, that didn't happen. Kieran never did that. That's not we didn't really have a, you know, a, a, a war with optics that didn't happen. <laughs> it's just a rumor. It's just. Mm. Yeah. Shall we talk about Milchik? Because sure. Honestly, <laughs> he, he was my favorite character. Mm. Um, I mean, not because I like the character, but but just my favorite character is a written thing, up until sort of the end when I when I got to see Irving painting, and it's because Milchik early on I wasn't sure whether Milchik was severed or not, because right. he he's yeah. like one step above. I'm also interested in the hierarchy of. <laughs> Of, of Lumen, because where do you go? Obviously, Mark moved into Petey's position. Okay, so he's now a manager of three people. Great, um, but but you would think that Milchik is the next step. But Milchik, obviously, you can't become Milchik because Milchik is not severed, as it turns out. After you know, we we come to that conclusion relatively soon but but it does take a few at least it took me a a couple of three episodes to Mm -hmm. figure that out but he is just he is to me is so interesting because he swings back and forth and i don't think he swings back and forth because he's poorly written i think he swings back and forth because he's so well written that he does things nice to to the people in uh what macro data whatever recovery whatever it is um and and then he's and then he's evil to them, of course, because you know he 
he has to take Heli through the through the repetitions of two thousand times of whatever what she says. It's and then he has to suck up to Harmony, but he has kind of a nice relation. He's okay with Harmony. They talk relatively truthfully to one another. He seems shocked when she, you know, when she comes back with the little capsule from the funeral. Uh, he's just, he's all over the place, and he is he is the the connection between Lumen's unsevered people and the severed people. And it's a it's a very interesting position. And I don't know I don't know where he goes. After you know, does he take over for Harmony's position? Does he go into does he become the head of security? Mm. What where is where is his it's just a it's a very weird position for him to be in. And I think the actor does a great job of moving in and out of the different roles that Milchik has to play in the company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I found him like the worst and not in like, like I, <laughs> the performance was good. The character was written well, but like that character is so, he's so good at being the, the mean authority figure, but he's also really, really good at, you know, sort of being the, the, Hey, I'm your pally pal. Music sort dance of thing. experience, everybody. It was, yeah. It was just like, you know, kind of like a classic abuser thing. Like, you know, we are, we are in love. This is great, but no, every once in a while I'm going to hit you. And it, 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 it like it's, struck yeah. a chord with me that was really like this is this is this is not fun um but it was very effective very yeah, i always needed was. an example of his smile doesn't reach his reach his eyes and hmm. now i can just point to video clips from this show of mr milchik yeah. <laughs> yeah he's uh he's hr <laughs> he yeah. is he I works for the company mr milchik also uh, to a degree <laughs> hates his life like it didn't seem to me like he enjoyed the work in any way why would he i i think he's a cult i think that it's what's going to turn out that he and uh ms corbell were raised in a cult-like environment like a company school kind of thing and that they are they have positions in a sort of churchish hierarchy because he has that adoration for Kier Egan when he's walking Heli R to her uh, or Helena to her brain operation. Uh, and her, I mean, that, sorry, th- there's that. And then he's like, you know, Mr. Egan liked to study, liked to have three uh, raw eggs in the morning in his milk. She's like, yeah, I've heard that. Like she said, shouldn't, wouldn't she know? Cause she's the heir, but there's that extremely, you know, so there's, there's this him showing his sort of cult like fealty there. Um, I, I we talked about the operation briefly, but I thought it was funny how completely unrealistic that was. Not that there's other aspects that are, uh, you know, much more so, I guess. But it, it was very much like we're actually literally drilling into her head and sticking something in and looking at it on an exposed X-ray next to it. It was very comic book, almost animated, like we're sticking a chip in someone's head. That's surreal yeah. in a way, but yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. It's the body way the future was. Yeah, yeah. It, Huh, I, I do good. wonder, um, they probably won't go this way, but I, I, you know, Heli's out, Audi, I, I have these thoughts of like, she's awful. And yet I also wonder if the outcome of this event is going to be that she's going to be a more interesting character, having been a part of this revolt, having possibly lost a lot of face in the family. I, I've got some kind of questions about about that too. I, that's one of the things I really love about thinking mm-hmm. about where this show goes from here. Is I, I there are so many different things they could do, and I, I don't know what the secrets are, but I also don't know what the creative choices they're going to make. And and I think Lex said, um, "Where what is season two? How does it even start?" Part of me thinks maybe season two starts with all of them working back at those desks and having the audience go, "How 
did right, that happen? Get resevered. <laughs> yeah, well, Ms. Corbell right? threatens to the we will torture you. You know, we will we will what was it torture i forget she said that thing she grabs helly backstage and helly still goes forward to speak her truth but um that's the threat and you know it's part of the cliffhanger is like do we find them back there they're just being constantly abused because they can be but then the experiment would fail right well, it's clearly and, and what's the truth experiment. of his wife right because she right, she died right. except she didn't oh, die God. where where is she where is she spending did her time her? did they did they rescue her is it's she that elevator down the hall that irv keeps painting it's like, that's where she lives yeah. Right. So yes. is, is she has is, to be redone? Maybe is the wife trapped in a in a prison cell when she's not brought up, or is there another personality, or how does that all work? Because oh, that that's she's a, only been alive 107 hours. I was thinking the, the worst torment for the punishment for these Audis who have been doing all these terrible things is you make them the any. But then who the who's the Audi then? I don't know. Is it a, is there a new Audi? That that's part one of my questions. Like how far down does this go? But uh, you know. They're making it's another Audis season of it. So next year, yeah, it's just Audis. Yeah. Audi and then an Innie and then an Audi. It's an Audi sandwich all the way down. <laughs> Something put your like right that. hand in, put your right hand out. You can't well, see your right hand. We've covered a right lot. What, uh, what have we not covered that people want to mention before we wrap it up? Uh, my final thing is just uh, you you started talking about what Stephen said about uh, Doctor Who and mm-hmm. the pacing and stuff. The the only other thing that kind of reminded me of Doctor Who in this was we talked about the corridors and I thought it was just a wonderfully efficient use of the sets. You know, they're walking down these white corridors and they're turning and they're turning and they use them in many different episodes in many different places, but it's the same sets and you know yeah, it. Just sure, like in classic sure. Doctor Who, you got that BBC budget <laughs> and you just got to use the same thing over and over again with different lighting and here they don't even bother with different lighting lighting. unless it's unless it's turned down (laughs) that's the only difference yeah it's it's not it's very specifically not time heist erica where they only have one corridor (laughs) but it's colored different colors so it's totally different when there's a different light but here it's just it's all the bare white that's it and sometimes the lights are off but mostly they're not mostly they're not yeah uh, I want to just mention the perpetuity wing briefly because we talked about it a couple times before, but it's such a weird, like it's part of the strange nature of that space is, you know, we've seen the above ground building footprints. So we know the building and the grounds are pretty huge with the parking lot. So there's room for a lot of stuff downstairs, even if it seems vaguely extra dimensional and that there's floors beneath floors, but the perpetuity wing has, you know, it's great, like not quite, not animatronics, but like these wax models. And then when they walk through that door, you know, the, the hall of smiles that are changed out all the time and the discussion about who they think the smiles are, but then they walk through that doorway and it is such a weird, again, like a disorienting thing that it's a complete multi-story space that's a replica of Kier Egan's house. Mm-hmm. This uns- unsettling. Yeah, waffle yep. parties in Ke- in a replica of Kier's bedroom because you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, great. That's, that's what you do. I just Ooh. figured that you know the elevator goes down fairly far, yeah. and yeah. the floor yeah. that they are working on is much much wider than even that large building. That's my thought. Ostensibly, given how far they've walked, yep, mm-hmm. could be. The uh, the other we talked about the Orwellian um, aspects of the the break room. It it wasn't until I think I was at the end before I I realized that severance was being the word severance was being used backward as well because in normal use severance is when you leave a job yeah mm-hmm. and and here it is no this is it's part of you being at, at the job um, and Jason you mentioned. Uh, 
the sort of the comedy aspect of Rickon's book and how and how cheesy it is and it is cheesy and we're and we're you know we we hear it and we th- oh my god yep. this is terrible it, it's it is and it is essentially it's it's uh, you know another version of of the sayings of Kier it's just outside outside of Lumen but as in that scene where they're deciding what they're going to do and they're going to do the overtime procedure um and and they and uh, Mark learns that Dylan has been reading Rickon's book and is equally moved. I found it touching. You know, they they were quoting Rickon's book to yeah. to themselves, and it was terrible. Of course, it's terrible. It's aw- mm-hmm. it's awful, cheesy crap. But in the context, it was very touching. Yeah, no, it's sweet. That's a beautiful yeah. moment because Rickon knows that Mark doesn't is not impressed with him, I think. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. And, and so for when any Mark is like, no, this really touched me. It's very important. I really understand what you're saying there. It is that delightful moment where Rickon's like, oh, really? What? Finally <gasps> somebody gets me? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. I guessed in that scene that Rickon was going to start reading and that Mark was going to stand up and read from memory. I thought that was what we were being led up to, but that did not happen. No. Still, he, he it is a Star Trek, it's a very funny starstruck moment where he's like, what? <laughs> you mean the writer of this book is my brother-in-law? <laughs> yeah. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> the, 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 to Mark is to me that like he wrote, he signed it for me. Oh, the sacred book that we've all been reading in the bathroom. <laughs> the one actor we haven't called out, Jen Tullock as uh, Devin Hale, the sister. She's fantastic. That performer is great. She has a lot of like narrative continuity and kind of heavy lifting mm-hmm. work to do uh, in the show. Along with kind weird of... scenes at the pregnancy chalet. That yeah. ones are great. She's the, I think yeah, she's, she's the wonderful. warmest, she's the warmest piece of this show. Much mm-hmm. of the show is very sharp and yeah. sort of cool. And, yeah. and she is like, every time she's on screen, I felt myself relaxing a little bit. It's like in some shows you want some comic relief and, this this show has its comic relief, but it's not that kind of comic relief. This show had warmth relief for me. Oh, I yeah, really yeah. I really liked having her as a little bit of a break from the tension of all the other stuff I was watching. She's so grounded, too. Like when she says, yes. like, OK, are you going to be OK with this? Because this is one of those things that Rickon does where there's going to be a party and they're not going to no be food. There's not going to be any food. So you're going to be OK with this to, to Mark. <laughs> it's like she's so she's super like like a real person who's grounded in this completely weird um, world and she knows that that her brother is kind of going to be dragged into this too but yeah I like liked her a lot she's the only one of us yeah. <laughs> well the re- the relationship between her and Mark is seems very real mm-hmm. yeah yeah just the, the, their history it comes it comes through they don't have to talk about it very much it just comes through in the very shorthand way that they talk to each other I just her friend the doula I think is also a lovely character is very brief it's uh, Nikki James as Alexa I don't think we learned her last name Alexa Alex uh, sorry uh, Alex uh, familiar name to you uh, but she's I think a great <laughs> character and a great little tiny performance especially I love that she gave him a second chance he didn't exactly deserve one no. but she had so much empathy she did and then he was great and then he relaxed and he had this thing going and then it all gets messed up for reasons beyond his control all right well season two will happen next year i guess <laughs> we gotta wait we're just gonna I'm, have to I'm wait. ready but i'm i'm happy to wait yeah oh we're yeah. so different i'm not happy <laughs> we no. really we like Lex i knew that already now <laughs> wants to see it now i hear the comparison i'm, I'm that kid in Willow well Walk. what you need to do is be se- get a severance procedure and the severed oh, yeah. lex will not have to wait but go. the other one will never get to see it never get to see <laughs> it true. well then you reverse the procedure after that just turn it on and off I every see. few times a year 
Try jiggling it and restarting it. Well, next. okay, that that is going to wrap up this episode of the Incomparable, and we're all going to step outside our these 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 doors and into that elevator and step out into the parking lot, get on with the rest of our lives that we know nothing about. So let me thank my guests one last time for being here, Doctor Drang. Thank you. Thank you. The goats are making some noise downstairs. I gotta go. <laughs> all right. Erica Ensign, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get into the elevator and hope it takes me out and not down to the testing floor. Don't go down. No, no. Glenn Fleischman, thank you. Thanks for the sense of camera that we brought to this event. I appreciate it. <laughs> and Lex Friedman, <laughs> thank you. Praise Kier. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We will see you next time. <laughs>